0: Well good morning everybody, welcome to Northridge Church, whether you are here for the first time or you've been here for a long time at Northridge, or whether you're in the room or you're online with us, or whether you've been walking with Jesus for decades, or you're brand new in your faith, or maybe you're here and you don't have faith yet because you don't know if you believe in God, in Jesus, or the Bible yet no matter where you are in any of those reasons, why you're here, how you're here, how you got here today, for whatever reason, this is a safe place and we are glad you're here. This is a safe place for you to ask the questions that you have about Jesus, about God, about the Bible, about faith. We look forward to those questions. What better place to be than to ask than to be here to ask those questions. So uh, we're glad you're here. So we are in the midst of a series called, very simply, The Table. So this series is very simple because this series literally all we're talking about to uh, really in this series are two things. One, that every person, every human being is invited by God to the table. You're invited by God to the table through Jesus. That's why Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, all that stuff that we just got done singing about in all those songs. The reason God did that is God gave us Jesus. He died on the cross for us, rose from the grave so that we had an invitation to the table because the invitation is to be forgiven of your sins so that you can be in the presence of God. So we're all invited to the table, but then the question becomes that we're answering in this series is, when you're at the table, if you've accepted that invitation by Jesus to the table, then the question is, what do we do when we're at the table? What do we do when we are followers of Jesus? What does God ask of us? What does God want for us? So we've talked about that he wants us to be in community. We talked about that several weeks ago. We've talked about how God wants us to take next steps in our faith. He doesn't want us to just stay the same. He wants us to take next steps. And two weeks ago, we had an amazing Sunday, didn't we, where we baptized 13 people who took that next step in their faith. Many of you have done that here at Northridge over the years. This is awesome to take a next step in your faith, whatever that is, whatever God calls you to. Last week, we talked about being in God's Word in the Bible, that Scripture is our source of connection with God. And today, we're going to talk about that other major source of connection with God. We're going to talk about prayer. Huge connection with God. So what I want to do today is I want to really answer three questions These are the three questions I want to ask and I want to answer today. The first question is, what is prayer? What is prayer? The second question is, why should we pray? And then the third question is, how should we pray? What is prayer? What what is it? Why should we do it? And how should we do it? Those are the three questions I want to answer here today. So let's go after the first question right out of the gate. What is prayer? Well, what is prayer? This is actually a simple question, and it has a very simple answer. Prayer is very simply communication with God. Very simple. That's what prayer is. We make it very complicated, right? You have to memorize the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed by thy name, and we have to memorize it in the King James Version only. That is a prayer, that is how Jesus said to pray. I don't think Jesus meant, please rattle this off as fast as you can and it'll make you feel better. Nope, that's not what he meant. Are there principles in that prayer? Yes, I've preached on the Lord's Prayer. If you've been here to Northridge for any length of time, you know I've preached, I've done a whole message on the Lord's Prayer. Jesus tells us, yes, that's how we should pray. But prayer, we, we make it this big theological term. Prayer is very simply this, communication, with God that's it as you know you can't have a relationship with any human being without at least some form of communication right there's no relationship if there's no communication no being in each other's presence at some point at some time and so communication is required for relationship well the same is true with God if you want a relationship with God communication is required it's just one of those things you have to be in his presence he has to be in yours And there has to be communication. And so prayer is intentional, purposeful communication with God. Notice I didn't say to God. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm praying, I'm speaking at him. You ever do that? God, thank you for this day. Thank you. I need help with this. My kids are driving me nuts. Like, could you just help them do this a little bit differently? That would be great. Kids, now you know what I pray. All right? I pray other things too. I ask for God's blessing and patience and all because I pray for all those things, right? But I, I tend to sometimes in my prayer time, do you guys do this? I talk at God and then I move on. Well, we're gonna talk about that here in a minute. But prayer is very simply communication with God. All right? So, simple question, simple answer. Now let's get to the next two because the next two take a little bit longer. <laughs> this next question is: why should we pray? Why should we pray? So what I want to do is I want to give you two words that give you two reasons why we should pray. They're not the only two reasons. This is not like an exhaustive list. These are the only two reasons why you should pray. But these are two really, really good and important reasons why we must pray. Both of these words start with the letter C so they're easy to remember, right? I try to help out as much as possible because I know how I am. I'll I'll walk out and be like, man, that was good, and then I forget in an hour, right? Because I had lunch, and I'm like, ooh, food, right? And so these two words start with the letter C. So the first word, why we should pray, the first word is comfort. Comfort. Whether you're here today and you've had a great week, Or whether you're here today and you've had a really hard week. I'm guessing we have both of those groups of people here today. Whether you've just experienced great loss in your life, some of you I know you have recently. Or you've experienced great investment, great gains in your life. Whether you're in doubt, whether you're in pain, whether you're in fear, confusion, frustration, anger, disgust, whatever it is, let me tell you, God wants to give you comfort. He does. He wants to give you comfort. And one of the ways that God gives us comfort, gives us peace, is by changing the way we see how we're walking through things. We, he changes the way we think. He changes our brain. In fact, Romans tells us this. Romans 12.2 says this. It says, let God transform you, change you into a new person by changing the way you think, how you view Yourself, life, God, those around you. Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know what God's will does for you when you know God's will? It gives you comfort. It gives you peace. How many of you, you're just at comfort and peace when everything's unknown, you have no idea what you're doing, you have no idea where you're going, your navigation is completely off, and they say rerouting. How many of you get just warm fuzzies from that? Me neither. You know why? Because unknown is not enjoyable to us as humans. You know what it means to know the good and pleasing and perfect will of God when he changes your thinking? Then you get comfort and you get peace. In fact, let me share this. I was listening to another pastor talk about this very thing. And uh, this pastor shared uh, a, a quote from Dr. Carolyn Leaf who wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. And, and she did this study, and, and did you know, I didn't know this, there's a whole scientific, like, medical study out there called neurotheology. I had no idea about this until this last week. Neurotheology, it is combining the study of your brain and how prayer and faith affects it. Isn't that cool? Neurotheology. I just kind of like saying that for some reason. Neurotheology. I sound really smart, right? Neurotheology, right? I just, I I just, cool. But there's, there's this study of how prayer and faith affects the brain. And this is the quote that this pastor shared. I love this from Dr. Carolyn Leaf in her book. She said this, she said, It's been found that 12 minutes of daily prayer, daily focused prayer, over an eight week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Isn't that cool? And then she goes on to say, Not only does prayer touch the heart of God, But prayer changes the brain. Did you catch that? Prayer is not so much for God as it is for you. God already knows what you're going to (laughs) pray. You realize that, right? Before you say it. He already knows what you're supposed to say even when you say the wrong thing. God, I'm doing good today. God says, no, you're not. Be real. Be honest with me. God knows. But what God wants to do is he wants your prayer life to change your brain life. He wants to change the way you think, how you view yourself, how you view God, how you view others. God can give you peace and comfort. Just like negativity and lies in your life can damage your brain, prayer can heal your brain. Isn't that cool? That's so good that God would actually heal your brain through something called prayer. And and we think, I, I don't know about you, but prayer is sometimes the last thing we go to, right? When I have a problem, I'm like, let me talk to some people. Let's have a meeting. Let's sit down. Let's hash it out, right? I sometimes do that. And God says, all you needed to do was spend some time with me. I have the answer, right? God wants to give us peace and comfort, In fact, Philippians 4, 7 says this. It says, pray about everything, and then it says this. Pray about everything, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, there's that brain thing again, as you live in Christ Jesus. And so the question before I want to move on to the, the second C word is this. Have you experienced God's comfort recently? Have you experienced God's peace recently? If you haven't, it might be because you haven't spent time in his presence communicating with Almighty God. He wants to give you his comfort and his peace. Are you seeking it? So the second C word that I would say answers the question why we should pray. The first word is comfort. God wants to give us comfort. But then the second word that starts with the letter C, why we need to pray, is because of conviction. Oh, man, isn't that just a warm, fuzzy word? Conviction. Some of you, like, when I say comfort, you're like, sign me up for that prayer life. And then when I say the word conviction, you're like, well, maybe not. (laughs) Right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't like being called out. I don't like being convicted. I don't like being pushed and, and, and shoved in my own stuff, right? I, I don't like that. When, when a coach kind of says, You can do one more sprint, I'm like, No, I, I can't. And the coach says, Yes, you can. And say I say, No, I don't want to. And, and the coach says, I know, but that's why I'm here. <laughs> Run on the line. One of of the things that my boys, when I coach soccer, would hate is when I'd say, on the line, boys, oh, no, coach. Right? Conviction, we don't like conviction. It's far less comforting and far less warm and fuzzy as the word comfort. But God wants to give us comfort, but he also wants to convict us. He wants to move us. He wants to challenge us. He wants us to cause us to grow. He wants us to deepen our faith. He wants us to experience the fullness of who he is. And so he will cause us to remember the things that we need to do and cause us to remember the things that we need to stop doing. And by the way, when God calls us to do things, let me just tell you, just warn you, let me give you just kind of a heads up. It will be a challenge because God wants you to grow. In fact, let me ask you this. Uh, Those of you that that have dug into into the word of God, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have noticed in here how often God speaks to a person in the Bible, in his word, how often does he speak to a person, and what he asks that person to do is either easy, it's not risky, it's so in their comfort zone, and they have always done it before. How many times have you seen that happen in God's word? that many times. You know how I know that? Because I've read it too. It's not in there. When God speaks to people, he calls us to do things that we wouldn't do otherwise. When he goes to Noah, right? What did he ask Noah? He said, Noah, I want you to build the biggest boat that has ever been seen on the planet. It's going to be one and a half football fields long. Oh, by the way, this is thousands of years ago. No modern equipment. It's going to be great. Oh, and by the way, Noah, I know. You're in a dry, arid region far from any large body of water. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Do you think that was easy for Noah? Oh, my goodness. Oh, and by the way, Noah, you're going to have to gather two of every kind of creature, and we're going to put it on the boat with you. Yes. Thanks, God. I'll do that after lunch. (laughs) Right? Was it easy? No way did it deepen Noah's faith yeah it did moses i want you to go back to egypt where you're a felon you're a murderer you're a wanted person and i want you to confront the most powerful person on the planet the pharaoh of egypt and i want you to tell him that he's going to let the entire slave labor that he's got building the pyramids he's going to let them all go a million people. And by the way, Moses, after that, this is gonna, it gets even better. You're gonna lead them in and through the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> yes. Easy? No. David, you're gonna face Goliath. Peter, you're gonna leave your job and everything you know and follow me. Paul, you're gonna plant churches everywhere you go. God does not call us to easy. You remember Jesus's prayer? We're talking about prayer, right? You remember when Jesus was communicating with God in the garden the day before he went to the cross? What did he say to God? He said, God, if there's any other way, can this cup be taken from me? Why did the the Son of God ask God if there was a different way? You know why? Because it was going to be really, really hard. God wants to help you deepen your faith, to grow. He wants to convict you in what sin needs to leave your life, and he wants to convict you on the things that he wants you to stop doing, but also the things that you need to start doing, and also the things that you're doing now that he says, good job, great job, good and faithful servant. Let's keep going. This is awesome. God wants to move us, challenge us, So let me ask you this. Have you experienced God's conviction lately? That's a question we don't want to write down. Right? Have you experienced God's conviction lately? If you haven't, spend time in his presence. And he wants to show you great, great things. All right, last question. As you're probably figuring out, this one will take a little bit closer to the longest time of all of them. So the third question is, how should we pray? How do we do this thing called prayer? I already hinted at, it's not really just about rattling off things, right? Rote prayers, right? Before meal. And, and, and we kind of have those rote prayers. I don't know if you have them before, you know, your meal and you know, good God, great God, let's but let's eat, you know, all that, whatever the things is that you say, right? Or our father in heaven, let's say the Lord's prayer, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to say rote prayers. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we sometimes get into r- routine and God wants us simply to be real in our communication with him. And communication with God, communication at all, is actually has two main components. We know the two co- main components, right? The one main component of communication is what? It's talking, right? Verbalizing could be with actions or facial expressions. Oh, by the way, it doesn't have to be just words. Uh, men in the room, have you realized that your wives can communicate a lot just without using any words but their facial expressions? <laughs> I've learned that quite well. The Holy Spirit speaks through my wife's face a lot. Sometimes it's comfort. I'll be honest, sometimes it's Conviction. the look is a real thing. It exists, right? But the truth is that communication requires talking and what? Listening. It requires both. It requires both components. Communication has to have both components, talking and listening. Does God want us to talk to him? Absolutely. Philippians 4, 6 tells us this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I referenced this just a moment ago. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. God wants us. He invites us to speak to him. He wants us to tell, us what, tell him what we need, what we're longing for, what we're struggling with, what we're worried about. God wants us to talk to him. But then what do we need to do after that? We need to stop and we need to do what? This is what I have a harder time with. We need to listen. Do you, do you ever wonder, I, I, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but do you ever kind of just get this feeling like when you're sitting there after prayer, like you feel like you need to talk to God? It's that awkward silence thing, right? And so you just need to keep talking to God. And then when you stop and you, and you just listen for God's voice, you feel like you're wasting time. Anybody else feel that way? Sometimes I feel that way. I'm like, man, man, it it seems like this, these few minutes, like I could be getting so much done. I could probably knock out at least two emails. My wife could knock out, by the way, she could probably knock out like 10, but me, I'll I'll knock out one or two in a few minutes, right? And, And like, sometimes I feel like it's a waste of time. Can I just be honest with you? If you're doing all the talking in prayer, you're missing all the wisdom. If you're doing all the talking in prayer, You're missing all the wisdom. It's kind of like, hey, God, hey, could you help me with this and, 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 and watch over me in this and give me safety in this? Thanks, God. And God says, and then we're gone. Amen. And we're out. Right? Hard stop. And God is like, I was ready to give you some of that. But now you're gone right? And God wants us to just listen. And so, uh, let me give you a couple of thoughts here on what we need to be if we're going to listen to God's voice. If we're going to hear God's voice clearly, what are two things that we need to be? Notice I didn't say things, two things that you need to do. They kind of are action things, but they're more being things, okay? In fact, let me just tell you this. Uh, yeah, I've gone on side notes a lot today. Sorry, that's the way it is. Your posture in prayer is far more important than your pronunciations in prayer. Did you catch that? Because that's really, really important. Your posture in prayer is far more important than what you're saying. How you approach God is far more important than what you say when you're with God. And so I want to give you two being things that help us with our posture. All right? The first one is we need to be still. We need to take note of this one. Because if your life is like mine, there is no time to be still. The best I usually get is after everybody's in bed and the last thing I want to do at 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night is sit there and be still with God. You know what's going to happen if I be still before God at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night? (laughs) All of a sudden, it's two in the morning and I hurt because I'm on the couch half sideways. Anybody with me on that? Amen. Preach it, brother. Right? I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not going to be. We need to actually have time where we are being still. In fact, let me ask you this. If you have a health concern, what do you do? If you have a health concern that continues to grow, what do you do? I know what you do. You carve out time to go see a doctor who can tell you what's going on, right? You carve out time to do that. If there's a book that's just coming out, some of you are readers. Like you love to read, and some of you you're watching for that next book. And when that next book comes out, what do you want? what do you do when that next book comes out? You get that book, and what do you do? You carve out time, right? You you close the bedroom door and you lay in your, and you're like kids for half an hour. It's no right? I'm here and I'm just going to read this book. I'm going to so You carve out time and you carve out space to do that. Uh, When you hear about that next new show, everybody's been talking about it. Maybe it's Squid Game. Ooh, top rated show. How many of you binge? You know, you don't have to out yourself like that, right? No, I haven't seen it. I know it's the top rated show now. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. But it's out there. How many of you, when you want to binge watch the next show on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and you sit down and your intention is maybe by yourself, maybe with your family, and you're going to watch one episode. You know what? I know what happens to you. You watch that episode and then they cliffhanger it. You know why I know this? Because they do this with everything. And then what happens? You're like, oh, it says play next. Mm -hmm." Just one more. Okay. Right? Right? And then what happens? All of a sudden, it's 1230 in the morning, and you've watched five episodes, right? And you've polished off the pre, uh, can of Pringles as well. <laughs> Woohoo! it's a good night, right? What do we do? We carve out time for the things that we want. Let me ask you this. Do you want God's direction in your life? Do you want God's blessing in your life? Do you want God's joy in your life? Do you want God's comfort and peace in your life? Do you know what you have to do? You have to carve out time. Time to spend with him. Time to talk to him, with him. Time to listen to his voice. See, what we do is we get pieces of God. Because we view God through pieces of our life. Because I don't know about you, but we're supposed to pray without ceasing, right? Pray about everything. And so we do that in the midst of life. But God also wants us to carve out time where we can just be still before him. Right, uh, it's kind of like this—the uh, phone. So I have a picture. I took a picture. This is from I think last year. I had a picture of my family on my phone, right? And then so this is what my phone looked like. I think I think it was last year. Maybe it was a year before. I don't know. It's a picture from a, a year or two ago? And and I had uh, a picture of my family on my phone. Let me just—is that—is that not just a great picture? <laughs> I should post that on social media and be like, I love my family and my email, and my Google Chrome, and Spotify, and this and that, and the Bible app, and this and blah, 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 right? This, but let's be honest, okay? If you look at that, I think this is how we see God. I think we look at God. I think we hear God through this. I'm not talking about just through the phone, but I, th- I mean through the gunk of life. And we're trying to hear God, and we've got the TV going, and we got the Packers going, and the Badgers going, and we got our, our family members going, and we've got sports going, and we've got this going, and we've scrolling social media, and we've got the next thing coming in, and we're binge watching this, and we're doing that, and we're going to here, we're getting to the next soccer game, we're going to be late for that soccer game, because this person, trust me, I get it, that's our life too, and we're doing this, and God says, I just need a little bit of time for you to hear me clearly, and not look at me through all the stuff. We're getting pieces of God. This is why we don't love God and who he is in our life because we're not getting the right picture of God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Run to your next soccer game. Get there as fast as you can and talk to everybody there and know that I am God. No, it doesn't say that, right? Scroll social media for at least an hour and a half and get as much negativity in your life and then know that I am God. No, it doesn't say that, right? Run here and there and never stop and never slow down and run yourself to exhaustion and then know that I am God. No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? It says, be still. And know that I am God. Can I just say this last year in the immensity of the loss that I've experienced. It has been absolutely necessary for me to be still. And allow God to reheal some things in my life. And I will say I'm still on that process. I am not there. Some of you have been broken for a long time and it's not because you're not worthy. It's because you've allowed this world to kill you, to destroy you. And God wants to heal you. But to do that, we need to be still. Let me just ask you this. When was the last time you were just still before God? No other purpose, no other reason than to just sit and listen for God's voice. The more you do it, by the way, the more you listen for God's voice, the more you will hear God's voice. Isn't that amazing? Profound, mind-blowing. But we don't do it, right? I mean, the more we listen for God's voice, the more we will hear God's voice. The more you'll be able to recognize God's voice. All right? Okay, let's move on to the last one. I could spend a long time there. Let's get to the last little one. If we want to listen, if we want to hear God, we need to be still, but we also need to be willing. This is a hard one because when we hear God's voice, when God speaks to us, we need to also be willing to do what He says right? We need to do what He says. We need to be willing to, to do what He tells us to do. If, in fact, let me tell you this. If you want to hear what God has next for your life, if you want what God has to say next for your life, make sure you listened and obeyed the first thing that He already told you to do before. Some of us, we're not hearing God Not because God isn't speaking. God is always speaking. Let me just tell you this. If you want a truth today, God is always speaking to you. Always. He's always speaking to you. Here's the truth, though. You may not be hearing him because he's repeating what he's been saying because you haven't been doing what he's been telling you to do, and therefore you've blocked it out. God says I need you to find freedom and peace and joy and comfort in this first and then I can lead you to this. If you want what he says now, make sure you listen to what he said yesterday. That's an important piece. So there's this moment in the Bible, in the New Testament, where John the Baptist has been baptizing people like crazy, right? People are coming to him in droves, and he's baptizing them. And then Jesus shows up in the region, and John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, "'I am not worthy.'" This is the guy you need to follow. This is the Son of God. This is the Savior. This is who I came here to prepare everything for. And then all of a sudden, you know what everybody did? Everybody started going to Jesus to get baptized. (laughs) And this is what happened. All the people that were with John the Baptist, they have been serving with him in ministry. They go to John the Baptist and they're like, John, hey, man, did you not, like, what gives? Like, nobody's coming to us to get baptized anymore. They're all going to this Jesus guy. And I love what John the Baptist says. Some of you know what I'm about to quote. In John chapter 3, verse 30, this is what John the Baptist says about Jesus. He says, he, Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That is what prayer does for you. It increases, it elevates Jesus in your life, and it decreases your own agenda. Now, some of you don't want that, you don't like that, but I'm just telling you that's what prayer does. Prayer will elevate Jesus, it will elevate God, it will elevate the Holy Spirit in your life so that that becomes prominent, that becomes superseding, that becomes the authority in your life, and it will diminish your own agenda. It doesn't diminish your value, it diminishes your authority over your life. And let me just tell you, you don't want authority over your life. You want God's authority over your life. We need to be willing to listen to God's wisdom, God's advice, God's love, God's peace, God's grace. We need to listen to what God has to give. So let me finish by saying this. Um, Several years ago, I started to get these... um, just FYI, this is TMI moment, all right? Too much information. You're not going to want to know this. Sorry. It, you'll, you'll understand in a moment, okay? But several years ago, I started to get stains on my lower teeth. Some of you were like, ah, oh, I could have done without that. I hear you. Me too. I don't want to share it, right? But God prompted me, like, I need to share this. I'm like, ah, oh. I was thinking, I was sitting there, I'm praying. I'm thinking, like, how, how, do, I, how do I talk about this? And, and God was like, your teeth, no. <laughs> No, tell them about you. no, I don't want to. You know, like God and I, we wrestle sometimes. Uh. So several years ago, I started to get these, these stains on my lower teeth. No, I don't want to tell you this, but this is just where it goes, All right? And so I started, you know, doing everything I could to, to kind of take care of these stains. And so every time I go to my dental hygienist, especially when we moved here to Wanaki several years ago, uh, when we moved here, we, we changed, you know, where we went to the dentist. And so we have a different uh, dental hygienist and uh, she does a great job. She's a little rough, but she does a good job, right? She gets them clean. You know what I'm talking about? Amen. All right. And she works on those teeth, but, but I, I bring this up. I'm like, man, I always get these stains, and I, I brush, I floss, I do all the stuff that you're supposed to do. Like, I, I'm really, I work hard on my, on my mouth. I, you know, I try to make sure it's really clean. And she says, well, you know, uh, we talked through it. Do you drink coffee? I'm like, no, I hate coffee. <laughs> I do. I, I just, I don't, I don't touch coffee. And she's like, well, what about Coke? I was like, eh, every now and then, but really not that often. What about tea? No, I don't drink tea. I don't, I don't like tea. Okay. So well, what do you, what do you eat? And I was like, no, it's not that. And they have no idea why I get these stains on my tea. And, uh, and so they, they've kind of had some theories, but anyway, so for the last probably, I'd say five, six years, yes, years my dental hygienist has said, I think maybe one thing that could help is to get an electric toothbrush. And I was like, okay. Wah, wah, you know. And so, you know what I did? I ignored her. <laughs> I didn't get an electric toothbrush. I didn't want to spend the money. I didn't want to make the change. I like my toothbrush. I like how my toothbrush feels like right? And and I get a new toothbrush every few months and I'm good. And, and so you know what I did for the next, for the last five, six years, you know what I've done? I've just, I'm like scrubbing those bottom teeth. I'm, you know, I'm digging in, I'm flossing like crazy. I'm kind of working it back and forth this way. I'm not just up and down, like all around. I can do that. You know what happened? Stains are still there. Every time. So finally, this last year, my wife, I told you she speaks on behalf of God. I wasn't joking, she does. She buys me an electric toothbrush because I finally told her this, I don't know, a few months ago. And you know what happened? Within just a week or two, I had an electric toothbrush. She's awesome that way, by the way. And once you know it, within days of using the electric toothbrush, the stains began to disappear and they've been gone ever since. Yes, I'm an idiot. Thank you. In the last five, six years, I've brushed harder, flossed more, swished more things than I can tell you about. I worked harder at it to get rid of the stains on my teeth than I've ever worked before, but it didn't matter because I didn't listen to the person who knew far more than I did about how to take care of the stains. The difference was I finally listened. Can I tell you this? That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to take away your stains. He wants to take away your sin he wants to take away your pain. He wants to take away your shame. He wants to take away your doubt. He wants to take away your frustration. He wants to take away your anger. He wants to take away your, your, uh, that, that neighbor that drives you insane. No, he doesn't want to take away your neighbor necessarily. Maybe. <laughs> but he wants to give you a new perspective on your neighbor. By the way, my neighbor's in the room. No, I'm not talking about you guys, (laughs) right? God wants to, whatever it is, the stain, the sin, did you? In fact, I wasn't gonna share this, but underneath this, I have this undershirt. It's way too tight and it has a chocolate stain from when I had ice cream like three years ago. You know why I keep a shirt over it? Because I don't want you to see it. It's like right here. I saw it this morning. I was thinking, I was praying about the sermon, and I was like, God said, tell them about your stains. Ah, oh, man, I'm already talking about my teeth, God. Come on. Give me a break here. How many of you are covering up your stains? How many of you have covered your stains for years? The pain, the shame, the doubt, the fear frustration, the anger. God wants to take away your stains. All you have to do is listen to Him, follow Him. He can show you a life free from stains. Do you want that? When was the last time you accepted God's offer to just sit with you, to spend time with you? When was the last time that you did just that? Be still, be willing. Follow Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to hear your voice. So, for just a moment. I want to pause. We're just going to be still for a moment. Lord, I know you're speaking. The question is are we listening? Are we following? Are we obeying? So for just a few moments, my prayer is, my ask is, my petition is, would you help everybody in this moment to just be still and to listen to your voice for just a few moments. I'm hearing things like you are worthy. I heard you are forgiven. You are loved. I heard you say, God, I am good. God, you are so good. You are so good. God, may we stop running around without listening and looking to you. Help us to be still. Help us to be willing. Help us to receive both your comfort and your conviction. We need you in our lives. We pray this and we ask this, Jesus, the one we need to follow,